life in this kingdom of God that has been brought to bear because of Jesus Christ. When Jesus showed up, he brought this glorious gift that is life. And he brought this new reality that is the kingdom of God that, that we can experience, that we can be a, a part of. And the Old Testament promised it, but the Gospels revealed it. What we see and what we're studying this spring, we have a couple of more weeks in this, is where we're looking at how we can understand the plan of God for the kingdom of God in the Gospels. Remember, in the Gospels, in the Gospels we see the promises kept by the king who came. There was a plan, there is a plan. And Jesus Christ has fulfilled what was promised. He's fulfilling it now. He shall fulfill all that has been promised with the coming of the kingdom of God. And today what we're going to do is we're going to see how Jesus fulfilled yet another one of the great promises found by, uh, by, the, by studying not just this prophecy, but understanding prophets in general and, and how God is at work in the world through Jesus Christ and the coming of the kingdom of God. Jeremiah 29, 13, I'll put it on the screen for you. Jeremiah 29, 13, God said this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I can remember a time in my life as a, as a young person, a 15-year-old, I was seeking something that would make my life full. And I was looking in all the wrong places to, to be able to get that. And I am so grateful to God that he had a plan to bring people into my life that pointed me in another direction, who showed me there was a, a life, a life that I could receive, a life that I could experience that was a part of something way bigger than I could ever come up with on my own. And it was part of the plan of God to move in such a way that I would be transformed. And friends, for those who trust in Christ, for those who enter into this life and become citizens of the kingdom of God, he gives us a new desire. It's a desire to seek him. He, he gives us this grace, this grace that enables us to find him. And he gives us a new heart. And it's a, it's a heart that, that loves him. I can, I can honestly speak to the radical transformation that happened in my life on June 28, 1988. I can speak of, of, of an emptiness that I was trying to fill with stuff that, that would never suffice. And maybe you have that story too. Maybe you're seeking now. Maybe you're trying to fill your life up with stuff and you're just, you're frustrated. It's not coming together. Maybe you're looking around at the world about you and you're, you're thinking, what in the world's going on? What, what's the deal with this place? Understand God has a plan. And we can all choose to be a part of this life in the kingdom of God. There's a plan for it. Our text today shows us what, what the people are like who understand and know the good news of the plan of the kingdom of God. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to the Gospel of Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 16, and Isley is going to come and read for us verses 14 through 17. So sweet girl, come on up. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in Luke chapter 16. Isley, if you would, go ahead and read for us verses 14 through 17. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all those things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophet and the prophets were until drawn since then 
the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it, but it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Isley. If you guys would go ahead and be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. You know, motivation is crucial. Whatever motivates you will ultimately determine what you live for and, and also ultimately how you live. If you look in, in your text there in Luke 16, what you'll notice is that Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders known as Pharisees. These were very powerful religious leaders in Jesus' day. They were the conservatives. Amongst the Sadducees, there were two kind of warring parties. And the Pharisees were the ones who actually believed in angels. They actually believed in miracles. They believed that God was, was actively at work in the world. But they had a motivation that was, was not congruent with the kingdom of God. See, these guys, they wanted power. And because they wanted power, they loved money. Because they knew that if they had the, they had the money, they would be able to have the control. They would be able to, to, be able to move and, and shake in ways that, that were admired so that they could be in control of their lives and the lives of others. And Jesus saw this. And so he, he spoke to them. And if you, if you look there at the beginning of Luke chapter 16, you see this very pointed, powerful parable. And what you need to remember about that parable, those 12 verses, that, that is not an imperative. That's not a command. Jesus is not saying, hey, do like this guy. It's not the point at all. Whenever you're reading a parable, just remember this. When you're reading the gospels and you see parable, remember a parable has one point. And in the midst of this, at the, rather at the conclusion of this, look at verse 13. Jesus makes the point. Here's the point of the whole parable. He said, he said, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Now the Pharisees didn't like that at all, did they? So look at verse 14. Look what they begin to do. It says they begin to ridicule him. Now, isn't that something? Here were the conservative religious leaders of the day who claimed to believe the Bible that spoke of God. And yet here is God standing in front of them. And what are they doing but ridiculing them? Why? Because they did not love God. They loved money, which gave them power. They, they were not like Moses. Uh, Moses is described in Hebrews 11. I'll put it on the screen beginning in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Well, well choosing rather to be mistreated with other people, the, uh, the people of God, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses didn't want money. Moses didn't want power. He wasn't looking for pleasure. Moses wanted God. Moses wanted to experience God. He wanted to experience this life in the kingdom of God. And he wanted to give up everything else and he was willing to give up all else because he wanted this experience. The good news of the plan of the kingdom of God is that those who truly want God by grace can find him and seek him through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And our text 
Our text shows us who the people are who can believe, who can receive, who can, who can understand the good news of the plan for the kingdom of God. There's three things I would encourage you to write down and remember. The first one is this. God's plan is good news. It's good news for those who are justified by God. This language, I, 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 cannot, I cannot tell you how powerful this language is that Jesus is, is using here. Uh, the, these words are, are not happen chance. These are, these are strong words for a, a very, very good reason. I mean, Jesus says to them, those of you who justify yourselves, he said the very thing that you're seeking to justify, it's an abomination to God, an abomination, because it was so contrary to the kingdom of God. Now let's remember what the kingdom of God is. Let's make sure we understand this. Uh, if, if you weren't here on January the 2nd, let me encourage you to go on our, our app or our website and go back and listen to the January 2nd sermon. Give yourself some time. It's a little lengthy. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. And there's a lot of content there because what we were doing on that opening um, sermon of this year was to, was to really give an overview of what the kingdom of God is. And what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the governing authority of Jesus over powers, people, and places for God's praise according to the scriptures. So there is this kingdom of God, but let's also remember, and again, that, this is in that January 2nd sermon. We're going to put it up for you just to remind you. There are three kingdoms that are active in reality. They're active in creation. There is the kingdom of God, and it is under Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's the kingdom of humanity, and that's under us. Every human being is a part of the kingdom of humanity. We were made by God in his image and we were given specific directives. We were given authority. We were to be the understudies of God and we were to rule according to his way, but we revolted. And in so doing, we partnered with the third kingdom, which is the kingdom of darkness, which is under the devil. And so what you have are these three functional kingdoms, but every human being, every human being that's a part of the kingdom of humanity is either under the kingdom of God or the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. You right now are under the rule and dominion of either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. Because you've been made in the image of God, you have volition, you have choice, you have will. And you must make the determination as to how you will live your life and what will define your life and what your life will consist of based on the authority you subject yourself to. Now understand this is very important. Human beings are born under the dominion of darkness, of the kingdom of darkness. But Jesus rescues people in order to free them to live in the kingdom of God. In our fallen state, the kingdom of humanity is at war with the kingdom of God. And the very things that we pursue, the very things that we want to be defined by, the very things we use to justify our existence, Jesus says here are an abomination to God. That is powerful language, an abomination to God. Why is this, why is this, why, why this, like, why is Jesus so passionate about this? We, we have to understand what's happening to humanity, what's happening to God's creation, what's happening to those that God loves. He, he loves every single one of us. 
Human beings have a special purpose and a special part in the heart of God. He made us in his image. But because of the kingdom of darkness and because we've come under that rule by nature, our flesh still desires it. Rather than exalting God, being justified by God, we, we, we pursue by nature for peace. And these are an abomination to God. If you've been around here a while, you've heard these before. These are the fundamental idols of, uh, of the hearts of human beings. This is what your flesh by nature, apart from God, will pursue to give you meaning. This is how you will seek to be justified. This is how you will seek to, to be defined. This is what you will say, well, this gives me meaning. This is why I get up in the morning. This is why I do what I do. There's four of them. The, the first one is power. You want to be in control. You want to have this idea that you've got it and, 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 and it's yours. And so I, I am the captain of my soul. I get to determine what happens to me. I'm in control. You're lying to yourself, but that's what, you, that's, what, that's what power deceives us, pleasure. And there are many people today who are believing a horrific lie, who says if they can act on the indulgence of their flesh, then they'll be satisfied. If they can be defined by, by what it is they want, that, 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 that urge that they have, then, then their life will have meaning. Then they will have a sense of identity. And they even go so far as to define themselves by their physical desires. Power, pleasure, popularity. We've all seen this one. We've all seen where this goes. If we can just get enough people to applaud us, if we can just feel important because someone says I'm important, if there's enough likes on my Facebook page, if I can post a picture and, and everyone give me that thumbs up that's so powerful, if I can create a facade that makes other people say, oh, look how, look how cool she is. Look how great he is. Oh man, look, they, they got it going on right there. This whole idea that my identity can be wrapped up in what people think of me in, in terms of being popular, it's a bubble that pops quickly and painfully. And that reality is not one worth pursuing, but many do. Power, pleasure, popularity, and then the American lie, possessions. If I can just get enough stuff, if I could just get that house, isn't it sad that we have so many people who honestly think, you know what? If I had a million dollars, I'd be happy. If I could win the lottery, I'd be happy. I don't, those rich people, I don't know what's wrong with them. They ain't got any sense. Give me that money. I guarantee you, I'll be happy. It's a lie. It's a lie because stuff can't define you because you are bigger than stuff. You're going to last longer than stuff. And stuff is just stuff. It's not God. But what happens is, Human beings seek to be defined by these four things. And I believe this. I'm going to put this on the screen. You may not agree with this. I, this, is, this is what I believe as I study the scriptures. Here's what I'm absolutely sure of. Every horrible human act on the planet can be traced back to a person that was seeking to be justified by their power, pleasure, popularity, and possessions. There are those who say religion is a problem. Religion is not the problem. The problem is religious people who want power, pleasure, popularity, and possessions. You know, the, the, those who love Jesus Christ and want to serve his will with kindness and love, I can assure you they are not the problem. The problem are those who, who own power and possessions through institutions where which they can control and manipulate other people. That is not Christianity. That is not the Bible. That's just another world religion that is filled with lies. 
Go and look, think about it. Think about history. Think about what happened with the Holocaust. Think about what's happening in the Ukraine right now. Think about all the horrible things that ever happened in our world. It's because someone needs to be defined by their power, pleasure, popularity, possessions. And that's why Jesus says it is an abomination. It causes harm to humanity. It causes dishonor to our maker. What is exalted among, look at verse 15. What is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. But thankfully, God has provided another way. Thankfully, God provides us life in the kingdom of God. Thankfully, we can be justified by something and someone who is holy and loving and all-powerful, who will live in us and guide us. This is the justification known as the gospel. It's spelled out so simply in this verse. I'll put it on your screen. This is Titus Titus chapter 3. If you don't know this one, you need to get this one. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. But when the goodness and, and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. He he rescued us. He took us out of that situation where we had to be defined by power, pleasure, popularity, possessions. Not because of the works done by us in righteousness. Not because we earned it. Not because we deserved it. But according to His own mercy. Mercy is when, is when, you, get, is when you don't get what you deserve. We all deserve judgment. We all deserve the wrath of God. Instead, we get, God gives us mercy. He said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you something else. I'm, I'm going to show you another way. I'm going to give you another way. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me pause right there. Let me make sure you understand. What God offers to us is supernatural. Supernatural. It's not natural. It's not something you can come about by a natural means. So, so don't hear me this morning thinking, oh, I've got to do a bunch of things so that I can get this. We're going to talk about needing to do things, but we do those things because of what God has done. Not, not because we've in any way merited them by our, by our actions, but because of the regeneration, regeneration, life-giving, washing, work of the Holy Spirit of God changes who we are, whom He poured out on us richly. By the way, we're going to study this in two weeks and I would love to see, I would love to see the church get back to celebrating the, the three biggies. We, we celebrate two out of the three big time. The third one, it's just wrong. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But do we really get passionate about Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit? Many of you don't even know what Pentecost is. Maybe you don't even know what's going to be what we're celebrating two weeks from now and why it is so significant. Friends, I'm going to tell you, it's a big deal. And, and the Apostle Paul, even, he even noted his calendar about wanting to be with a local church on Pentecost because it's such an important celebration of the local church. This pouring out of the Spirit will be poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, now, why all this? Look at verse 7. It's on the screen. This is big. So that being justified by his grace, being justified, not by what we have, not by what we do, not by what, what we own, not by what other people think of us, being justified by his grace, the fact that we were sinners and he loved us still, by the fact that he paid in full the penalty of our sin to save us from hell. 
The fact that he is now alive and lives in us and sets us free to live life in the kingdom of God so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the gospel. I'm sorry, according to the hope of eternal life. Those that are justified by God are free. We are free. We are free to live in the reality of who God is and what we were made to be. You were made to be holy. You were made in the image of God. And friends, when you live the holy life you were made to live, you will be happy. So long as you are living a life contrary to the will and the work of God, you will never be happy. You may have moments of power, you may have moments of pleasure, of popularity, of getting possessions, and there may be a little bit of excitement, but if you live long enough, here's what you know. All that stuff runs out. And you need something, you need a bigger high, and you need a, a better car, and, and you need more likes, and you need more, uh, you know, people celebrate. You need more, 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 because it will never suffice. But what we have in Jesus Christ satisfies eternally. I love preschoolers. Preschoolers are the best. The thing I love about preschoolers is they are who they are, whether you like it or not. They just let it all hang out. This is who I am, people. I, I, I know of these two uh, preschoolers. They share a, a name, but that's it. They are so different. One of them is just, he is just happy. He just goes through life and he just sees the best things in life. He always sees the positive in every circumstance. He is content. He sings. He smiles. The other one, well, not so much. He, he wants to be in control of that classroom. He needs everybody to know that he's in charge. And if they've got something he wants, he doesn't understand why he can't throw them to the ground and take it. It just makes sense to him. He has no clue as to this time out. That's nonsense. Now, we don't, we don't know if he's going to be a, a missionary or an inmate, but he's going to be something, all right? He's going to be something. But these two remind me of, of, of human beings in, in general. I mean, you've got some people that there, there's a happiness that comes from this hope, from, from just delighting in the goodness of God. And then there's some people, it doesn't matter what they have, it's never enough. And they're angry. And you know what angry people do? They hurt people. And that's why it's an abomination to God. And that's why justification by anything other than Jesus Christ always leads to pain and suffering. It doesn't lead to happiness. It may lead to a, a, a momentary high, but it never justifies. It never defines right. It never sets straight. It never does what it promises it will do. It always costs us more and it always gives us far less that is the nature of sin and idolatry. But there is a justification that we can have in Christ, but there's only way, one way you can get it. You can't earn it. I hope you're not coming to church today saying, all right, God, I went to your house and listened to that bald guy. I expect good things to happen. I even stayed awake for most of it. It's not how it works. Get, get it, 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 that's not how it works. Here's how it works. One word, faith. It works by faith and not just any faith. Write it down. Remember, God's plan is good news for those who are forceful with faith. It's not a passive faith. Look at the way Jesus describes this. And this is very unusual language. You don't hear a lot about this. You don't, because there's so many, and I understand why, and I'll speak to it in just a moment. But he says, everyone forces his way into it. 
this kingdom of God, there's a forcefulness in it. There's this life in the kingdom of God that Jesus offers. And the Pharisees, what, what do they like to do? What do the religious people like to do? They like to talk about ideas and philosophies, about who ought to and who shouldn't. They, they want to talk about the old way. And, and Jesus talks about, look at verse 16. This verse, the, the law and the prophets were until John. What's Jesus saying here? New reality has come. There was an old way. And, and the prophets, they, they were a part of that old way. But the old way was pointing to the new way. The prophets, all the way up to John. By the way, John is the last prophet. Uh, some people get confused by this when they're reading the New Testament and they've seen John and they think, well, this is new covenant. No, no, no. It's, it's not till the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that the new covenant is in play. Until then, the old covenant is still active and John was the last of the prophets pointing to Jesus Christ. Now, John, John was great. He's the forerunner of Jesus. I'm gonna throw out some scriptures just to remind you who he is. Matthew 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea Here's the sermon. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this he was, uh, who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The, the prophet Isaiah foretold of the coming of John the Baptist, how he would prepare the way of Jesus. In verse four, it says, now John wore a garment. He's a weird guy. Again, this is not a command. This is just a description of a weird dude that God loved and used. He, he, he wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Thank God we ain't got to follow that rule, right? And what did he do? Well, he, he, he spoke of the coming of the king and many went out, verse six, and they were baptized by him. Now, now what, what John was doing is he was talking about the fact that Jesus was coming. In verse 11, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am, un, I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. That is a terrifying sermon. That is a reality that who God is, he is holy and he is just, he is loving and he will save, but he will judge and there is a hell. And so, when Jesus showed up, here's what John said. This is John 1:29. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he made it real clear. This is the one I was talking about. After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him before, but for, his, for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to you. And so then John was arrested. He was later beheaded, but after his arrest, Jesus, it says in Mark chapter one, and again, this is on the screen beginning in verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee into his hometown proclaiming the gospel. What was Jesus' sermon? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Please understand this is the summation of what it means to be a Christian. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent, turn away from the four Ps. Believe in the gospel. So when we use three circles, we, we use this exact language. When you see three circles and you see repent and believe, it's, it's directly from Jesus' sermon. So exciting. Yesterday I saw where Hadi, one of our partners over in Europe, was training Afghani people to share three circles. 
taking the gospel, the good news, calling people to repent and believe. What's he calling them to? He's calling them to saving faith. A saving faith is a forceful faith. Saving faith is not passive faith. This description, look in verse 16. Look at the last part. It says, forces his way into it. There is, there is a work, there's an action, there's an activity. Now again, it doesn't save us. Our, our action doesn't save us. But once we are saved, our actions become forceful. How are we saved? Again, back to Titus, same verse. He, God, saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Salvation comes by grace through faith in Christ alone. But when it comes, it becomes forceful. Listen to how the Apostle Paul described his faith. This is this, this language again. I, I don't have time. This language is dramatic language. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ, has, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it up my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. And look at this language and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Straining, pressing. It makes me think of, you know, an Olympic race at the very end as they're straining forward everything toward a particular goal. No distractions. Eyes aren't looking up. Eyes aren't looking to the side. Eyes forward. Everything they've got straining Friend, Christian, citizen of the kingdom of God, does that describe you? Are you straining forward? Is your faith a forceful faith? Is it a faith that is leaning in and putting everything? Or are you a floater? There's so many Christians say they're floaters. Just float around. What are you doing? I don't know. Hey, you're going to church. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I'll see how I feel. You know, Sunday's my only real day to rest. I don't know. Are you going to serve? I don't know. I just don't know if I want to do. I just don't know. I'm just not sure I'm real comfortable. You know, Pastor Jason talks about those preschoolers. They're dangerous. <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm going to feel... I just don't know. I'm just going to flow. You know, the Lord will lead me. Be still and know that he is God. <laughs> just got to be still. I'm going to sit down, rate this sermon. If I like the music, I'll sing. I don't know. Just floating. Just floating. That ain't in the Bible. That attitude, that whole thing, that whole vibe is not in Scripture. Scripture is, uh, it speaks of those who believe as straining, forceful, forcing through, getting into the kingdom of God, getting into the work of the kingdom of God, engaging with what God is doing. And we do that not because we're smarter or because, because we came up with some great idea. Friends, everything that we believe, everything that is real, everything that matters has been revealed to us by God in the scripture. And that's the third thing I want to make sure you get. Because Jesus goes to, there's a reason why verse 17 is there. And you don't want to miss this. This is really important. 
God's plan is good news for those who are confident in Scripture. There are those who today are, are I mean, I get why they're doing it. They, they, want to make the, they want to make the Christian faith relevant. They, they want it to, to be more accessible to people so that they will at least consider it. But here's what they're doing is, is they are denying the sufficiency and the authority of Scripture. And one of the things they, they, one of the arguments they like to make is, well, that Old Testament, I, you know, I, that Old Testament, that's, we don't need that. That God's too harsh. I like the red letters. Of course, not the Sermon on the Mount because that's way too hard. But what I really like, you know, is the part I like. Friends, look what Jesus did in verse 17. Now he's made it real clear, John and the prophets, all that, there's something new, but... It is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. What's he saying? The Bible is the word of God and it will never pass away. It is always the ultimate and final authority. I've been watching a lot of basketball, probably too much, but I've been watching a lot of basketball. And I've come to the realization, you guys probably already thought about this and knew this, there are always three teams on a basketball court. Three teams. They're the two teams that are playing against each other and then there's another group of called the referees. You heard of these people? And they may be smaller and barely able to run, but they have power. They can stop a game with a whistle. And, and you know what they go by? They go by what is called the rule book. Now, the other teams have their playbooks and they're fighting. They're after each other. But the rule book speaks to what the game is. You know what the Bible is? The Bible is the revelation of God of what is real. Now look, you can go against the scripture all you want. The more you do, the more chaos ensues. Look at our culture right now. Everything that goes against the very nature of what God has created, a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. Marriage is between a man and a woman. A family is the centerpiece of society. Where there are healthy families, there are healthy society. All that God has spelled out in his word when you want to work against that, and by all means, that's what we're seeing, what will be the outcome? There will be anxiety. There will be depression. There will be anger. There will be violence. Why? Because if you're not going to live under the reality of the rules of the authority of God, you're working against, you're working against the Almighty, and it is an abomination. What God has provided is truth. And this truth is a loving truth. Even if you're not a Christian, you need to know the Bible because the Bible explains what makes life work. But friends, if you are a Christian, you've been given the spirit of God and the life of Jesus and the, the fatherhood of the Almighty who is guiding your path and bringing what only he can bring to bear. Friends, let me ask you, are you, are you experiencing life in the kingdom of God? Or are you under the rule of the kingdom of darkness? What are you justified by? What you have? What people say of you? Your experiences? What pleasures you? What are you defined by? If it's not Jesus Christ, it will never suffice. And it's going to hurt you. And ultimately, that hurt in you is going to lead you to hurt other people. And that's why it's an abomination to God, because it hurts. What God has for you is grace and life and mercy, but you must receive it.
So let's stand together and let's pray together. Spiritual leaders, care leaders, if you would please come forward. They're here to talk with you and encourage you and pray with you and help you in any way they can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for moving in a way in which there can be some understanding. And Lord, I know that there are some who are confused. But Lord, I pray that, that you will take the seed of the gospel and put it in their heart and they will pursue the great grace that you alone can give. If you want to know that grace, if you want to know Christ and your life to be transformed by his presence, come talk with one of these leaders at the front. Don't leave. If you're a believer, listen, right now, right there where you are, ask a real simple question. Do you have a forceful faith or are you just floating? Is it your faith or is it just your parents? Is it your faith or is it just your tradition? Is it your faith or is it just an ideology or institution? Friends, faith is forceful. Renew your faith. Renew your commitment to the King. Trust in Him alone. Repent. Some of you need help with something. Some of you are concerned about someone. Come, come and pray for them. You can pray right there where you are, but you feel free to come to the front here as others are leaving and pray. Father, we are so grateful for your blessing. The, the blessing that keeps us and seals us. The, the, the blessing that turns your countenance upon us and, and gives us peace. Lord, we thank you for that. And we ask though, God, that we would be faithful citizens of the kingdom of God and the life you give. Help us to share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen.